welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hi, everyone. There's a bit of overlap between the questions and answers on this episode, so bear with us on this one. Today, we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, Health Policy Associate at Tennessee Division of Healthcare Finance and Administration, Constance Payne. Constance received her PharmD from Ole Miss and spent some time at Walgreens before heading up to D.C. to pursue her passion for policy. Constance, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks, Hillary. I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps and tell us a bit more about your personal life. Absolutely. Um, So you're correct. I I spent about two and a half years uh, with Walgreens working in in Jackson, Mississippi, and um, had a great time, but experienced a little bit of what a lot of pharmacists experience, which is is burnout when you're in that kind of high pressure environment, um, direct patient care. Um, it, it can be difficult. And so um, after about two and a half years, I decided that I was interested in pursuing maybe a more, more alternative route to pharmacy. And I had a preceptor who was um, a big inspiration for me and had done some work on federal healthcare policy before. And so I actually headed up to DC and got involved on the Hill, started an unpaid internship, then moved on to the Senate Health Committee, which is the Health Education and Labor um, and Pensions Committee, and worked for Senator Alexander. And then um, after a time there, spent about a little over two years with uh, Senator Thad Cochran from Mississippi covering health care policy, but also education and labor and veterans affairs, working um, on uh, the Veterans Health Administration, some of those issues. So uh, that was also really wonderful. And after spending um, almost four years in D.C., just wanted to make a move back down south a bit closer to family, uh, but had really enjoyed the policy work and the legislative work that I had done in D.C. And so I stumbled across, um, actually thanks to you, um, the notification on on this um, position with the Tennessee Healthcare Finance and Administration Division. And so um, I've been in my current role for a little over a year. Awesome. And and that is amazing that you went to D.C. and kind of took on doing an unpaid internship. That could be a little scary for some people, but you had to have that experience and kind of getting your foot in the door. And clearly it paid off in the long run. And you've had some really amazing experience working on the help committee and and for some really prestigious senators in the in Congress. So, Constance, now you've been with TenCare, which is, of course, Tennessee's Medicaid division, for just over one year. And could you tell us a little bit more about um, some of the initiatives that you're working Absolutely. on there? So, the initiative that I spend the bulk of my time on is a, a value-based payment program that we just launched at the beginning of December of 2016, and it is called HealthLink. It is under the primary care transformation umbrella at TenCare, and we actually have uh, connected with 21 organizations statewide, uh, largely community mental health centers, 
those uh, providers that had already been providing um, behavioral health services to our 10 care members and we have partnered with them in in this value-based program and they essentially uh, provide um, care coordination activities to 10 care members that have the highest behavioral health needs in the state so a really important group that we need to improve access to and so we work with those providers in an effort to improve the quality and efficiency of the care that they offer to these members so that we can work to improve their health outcomes and a large portion of what they do is coordinating their behavioral health services with physical health services so they work with these members primary care providers to make sure that if they have chronic diseases or acute illnesses that are physical health related that those issues are getting addressed in a timely fashion. Uh, they also follow up with our members if they've had an admission discharge or transfer from a hospital and uh, we're working on having those feeds go directly into one of our um, online web-based services called the care coordination tool and so that just helps streamline the process for members getting into the healthcare system after they uh, have a hospital admission and then discharge. Wow. And that certainly is going to have uh, some some big impacts uh, down the road. And, and I'm sure you've got some measures in place and, and we'll be tracking uh, all of that great work. Um, so, Constance, what are some of the skills that you think that have really lent themselves well to your career? Sure. Role? So, I would say I think a lot of times we have an, the ability to focus in on details and uh, be detail oriented. And that's definitely something that has allowed me to be successful in my current role. We do a lot of communication back and forth with different stakeholders, uh, with the health plans in Tennessee, with providers with our other vendors and you have to keep up with a lot of information and a lot of details. And so being able to hold a lot of that information, probably from my years of um, studying large amounts of information in pharmacy school has helped. Um, And so just being able to keep track of all of that information has really helped. Also in working uh, both in the retail pharmacy setting and on Capitol Hill, you learn a lot about the value of team-based work or team-based approach to care. And it's, it's a similar structure, um, actually, even though it feels like a very different job. Um, a lot of the skills that I have learned over the years in practicing in retail and um, working on Capitol Hill have really helped me in my current role. Sure. I love that, that you've really been able to take all of those skills from your diverse background and and they've kind of all come into play um, now that you're at, at, at TenCare. Um, so Constance, you're actually now running this program. So you've had a lot of successes and uh, clearly have kind of been a really influential in a lot of the pharmacy policy that has been going on the past couple of years with your time on the Hill. So you've had a lot of uh, successes. Um, could you tell us about maybe some uh, so far that you're most proud of and, and what are some things that have helped contribute sure. to so that success? I, um, when I was working on Capitol Hill, one of my biggest successes is 
I uh, helped contribute to the development of um, legislation that went on to be passed and is currently in law. Um, it's what folks know as DQSA. And so I was involved in that work on the Senate side. And uh, we spent a lot of time working with the agencies, uh, various agencies that oversee the profession of pharmacy and um, pharmacies in general, and um, also stakeholders and pharmacists nationally and groups and associations. So everyone that represents um, pharmacists and compounding pharmacies and all of that work was in response to the fungal meningitis outbreak that took the lives of, I think it was 64 individuals um, nationwide. There was a contaminated uh, compounded sterile product. And so that legislation was in response to that, um, basically trying to secure the um, drug pipeline, making sure that um, we were getting the products that were as safe as possible into the hands of, of patients, into the hands of consumers. Just being able to help with that particular process and be involved in it gave me a, a whole new respect for the amount of time and energy that um, Hill staff and, and their members put into improving the healthcare system for individuals. I know there's, you know, a lot of debate going on now about what's in the best interest of, of, of consumers and, and patients in the U.S., but it's something that I was very proud to work on because it was done in a bipartisan way and I think has really created some really good improvements to the system that had existed previously and definitely taken some of those riskier behaviors and turned them into a benefit. So I would definitely say that that was was one of the biggest successes. And really my takeaway from that was that, you know, from my perspective from for healthcare, my personal perspective is that you really need as many hands involved um, in finding creative solutions to problems, especially in healthcare, because it is such a complex system um, that we really need all hands on deck, working with other individuals so that you can see something from the perspective that they see it, or maybe someone just thinks creatively in a way that you don't and everybody can bring something to the table. Um, you know, I was the only pharmacist in the room that was a Capitol Hill staffer working on that. And so I provided a perspective, not only of being a healthcare professional, but also of um, patients. You know, I, I, I took care of patients for two and a half years, constant communication with them at least eight hours a day. And so I felt like I understood some of the challenges you face. I understood a lot more than your average Hill staffer about um, the profession of pharmacy and how pharmacies operate and um, what goes through the mind of a pharmacist and how you know various components of that legislation that we examined might actually impact someone on the microscopic level. I think when you're working on legislation, you think of it as more a big picture, and it certainly is that, but when legislation pa is passed and becomes law, uh, there are trickle-down effects of that of that law and um, being operationalized at the pharmacy level, and so trying to head off any of those kind of unintended consequences that might be ne might negatively impact um, safe medication getting to the hands of patients, especially in a timely fashion, um, and then also just the the work that pharmacists and pharmacies were doing nationwide. Um, not feeling like we were tying their hands back, but also understanding that we needed to get a get a better grip on 
that particular component of pharmacy in general, something that I'm really proud of because it felt like there was such a spirit of camaraderie and working together to address an issue that was um, a big issue at the time. That's certainly impressive. The DQSA is is something that all of the pharmaceutical industry is, is uh, looking to and and uh, trying to make that happen. And I know it's something uh, as a wholesale distributor that our organization is trying to stay on top of. But as you mentioned, it's for uh, the end game, which is you know making sure that the supply chain is secure for patients and making sure that 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 the drugs are safe and secure. So that's impressive that you were able to to bring your frontline experience from uh, directly interacting with patients and help to make that a policy that would be successful. Do you have any kind of lessons learned from possibly uh, a failure that sure. you might have um, experienced so, you know, that you could be able to share with our listeners? One that comes to mind actually ties into the um, DQSA legislation and and. That was in, in the fact that the eventual piece of legislation that was passed into law didn't include some key components that we had discussed and agreed upon um, in the work group I was involved in. And so I think some of those things that were not taken up have caused some trickle-down effects that, that we saw and had identified and had specifically tried to tailor the legislation to address, but that couldn't be passed by the congressional body at large. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know that I would call that a failure as much as, you know, um, my wish would have been that uh, we spent a lot of time carefully thinking through the process and identifying some of those major issues. And then some of those kind of got lost in translation. So that's something where, you know, uh, you always wish that you could be there for round two or, whenever the legislation comes up for reauthorization, if that's a component of a bill that you're working on. Um, and so, you know, I think not being able to to, to see it um, through to completion and then be there for implementation is something that has was difficult for me. But in regards to biggest failure, you know, I guess probably just all of the issues that I felt like I, I couldn't tackle on Capitol Hill because there wasn't enough visibility on an issue or it didn't impact enough people um, to make a splash. And so there were a lot of these issues out there that were really, you know, niche issues, um, somewhat like you see the issue of orphan drugs and how we're addressing um, diseases that may impact a smaller number of individuals. But knowing that there's something that significantly impacts a small group, but that you might not have the bandwidth to be able to address. Um, that was something that was hard for me to accept. And so I definitely pushed myself very hard in my role on Capitol Hill to try to work through as many issues as possible. But, um, you know, the the body as a whole, the congressional body as a whole is created to be um slow and methodical and intentional, especially the Senate. The Senate was created to be the deliberative body. And so for me, you know, I viewed it as a failure. Um, maybe others don't, but knowing that there were issues to address and problems to fix and not feeling like we were able to get the solutions through fast enough. And so you would know that there's a particular 
disease out there where we knew there was an experimental drug and we couldn't get that into the hands of of patients because of current legislative restrictions and just feeling like, you know, all that time was spent and, and time was ticking away for some of those individuals. And, you know, we, we felt like we would eventually be able to address this issue, but knowing that it couldn't be done straight away um, just because of the process that it takes to fix something legislatively uh, was very difficult. Sure. So for any of those out there who might be interested in and going into the policy side of things, I guess kind of a takeaway there is is that it's a journey and, and a process and uh, you can't have every change implemented that you hope for, but, uh, you know, as long as you're making that contribution um, and bringing that frontline experience or, or bringing that pharmacist perspective and, you know, getting to the table, all of that Absolutely. really and is helpful. And so you might not be able to continue working on a particular issue, but knowing that you've gotten it to the best point that you can and and then moving on to the next issue or moving on to a different, you know, phase of your career. I think that that was something that you just kind of have to accept comes with the role. You know, you signed up to do the best that you can for the amount of time that you can and just being proud of the work that you have done and trying to let those those failures go. And honestly, when you, I mean, there were pieces of legislation that we worked on that we tried very hard to get introduced and get passed. And um, that didn't happen in the time that I was there. And it doesn't always mean that it's not going to happen. It just might not be that particular issues time or, you know, whatever it is, but um, just learn that that's not, um, that's not necessarily, it's not something that is, you know, your fault or maybe even something that you can change. It's just kind of built into the system intentionally. Sure, that makes sense. So, Constance, uh, as we all know, healthcare is constantly changing. Uh, how do you stay current sure. with what's going so, on in healthcare um, and more actually, specifically my, my within the pharmacy field? Um, directly uh, connect me to pharmacy on a daily basis. And so, when I'm seeking out additional information about what's going on in the pharmacy world, I kind of have to pick a, a different avenues for that information. Definitely, you know, emails from the, you know, Mississippi Board of Pharmacy keeps me up to date with what's going on in the state where I have my license. I, you know, spend a good deal of time um, going through uh, information that becomes available through various sources. Like um, I followed for a a long period of time and still do um, Politico just because it's a quick source for what might be going on legislatively in the healthcare world. And then for more pharmacy specific information, I mean, of course, I continue to do my continuing education and actually find that very helpful to stay up to date with what's going on on the healthcare side of things as far as being a healthcare professional and what new and innovative solutions are being brought online for patients. And so that helps me keep up to date with uh, the information that I learned during pharmacy school and making sure I'm staying ahead of that cutting edge technology. I will say when I worked on Capitol Hill, I was probably even more in touch with what was going on in the day-to-day for healthcare in general, because I had to track every piece of legislation that was healthcare related that was uh, coming across um, the Senator's desk. And so definitely it was a 
was a daily struggle to, to stay up to date with what was going on, even kind of being at the epicenter of change. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, it's, it's not easy. I think you definitely have to be proactive. It's not common to have information related to pharmacy just um, in the field of pharmacy come across your desk all the time. But that, those are probably, you know, the things that I tracked most, um, just kind of making sure that I'm up to date on what's going on in, in healthcare. I subscribe to a couple of other um, news sources that uh, send me updates and watch for bulletins coming from the agencies that oversee healthcare in the country, um, FDA, CMS, um, HHS. And yeah, that's probably really mostly what I do. I definitely like to receive my information in a written form. Um, I haven't been too big on on watching news. I like to take my time and read through something and make notes and um, ask questions and do some of my own research. So I've found that articles are really the most helpful for me. Sure. I would say really so what are the some thing of the that things excites me that most excites about the future you of about the future I see so of many uh, opportunities uh, currently really. And then also just look at the potential for the future of really innovative ways that pharmacists can be, um, used in the current healthcare system, um, provides a lot of angst to pharmacists out there now today, um, just feeling, you know, some frustration, how much isn't going on, but I think there are a lot of creative ways that pharmacists are being used in healthcare today. And, you know, I know they're not the most visible, so it's it's very hard to see that a pharmacist involved, is involved in that particular aspect of healthcare or, oh, a pharmacist can be at that level in an organization. But, um, you know, I, I will say that in all of my time, both in retail and on Capitol Hill and in my current role, I, I definitely haven't run up against anybody that's tried to you know, tell me that I didn't know what I was talking about or um, didn't realize the value that a pharmacist brought to the team. And so that's been really great. And I really only expect that to improve as, you know, we look to pharmacists to feel, fill some of the gaps in care that exist within the current healthcare system. And I, I know there's lots of barriers in, in the middle of that, but, you know, I feel glad to know that there's more published research getting out there about um, how having a pharmacist um, on the team helps um, improve uh, health outcomes for patients. And so, um, you know, that's something great. At, at TenCare, we're looking at um, rolling out a MTM, medication therapy management program at the beginning of the year. And so, you know, it's it's nice to see pharmacy related issues kind of coming to the forefront. And I think it is exciting for me to see that other healthcare professionals are realizing the value of pharmacists as well. And so I just get excited about the future because I kind of think the possibilities are endless. I think we have nowhere to go but up and further and um, be more integrated into the current system. And so I think, you know, the possibilities are, are what our profession can make them. I do think that we won't win on a lot of those issues easily. I think they're going to have to be long, hard-fought battles, but, I, you know, they're, they're noble and um, valuable to the system. And so I think we, as pharmacists, need to 
to work on banding together and making sure that our voice is single and clear um, about what we want and how we can improve the current system for uh, patients. So that's definitely, you know, kind of what excites me the most is, is digging in there and doing the hard work to make sure that, that pharmacists are integrated into care. And I love what you said about having that single voice, because I think that is so important. And as someone that has worked on the Hill, you probably were getting lobbied all the time from different stakeholders. And so I think that that message is really important that all of pharmacy is speaking the same tune and that we're all um, can kind of come to that agreement on what the most important issues are, because not every not every issue gets brought up, as as you've made clear. So um, finding out which ones are most important and um, sticking to those, I think, would, would do the profession and others really well um, as they're trying to make some changes. So great advice. Uh, so Constance, is our last question, I'd like to ask, what is some advice that sure. you would so tell your younger self and for other pharmacists out there who may be just getting started in their profession? Career? And the first one is just that there are a lot of pharmacy jobs out there that don't just fit into the neat baskets of retail pharmacy or hospital pharmacy. I think that's kind of what I had always thought just because I had a, a mom who was a pharmacist and had kind of worked in a more traditional setting, but there are so many non-traditional settings outside of even just thinking, oh, do I want to get a retail or do I want to do a residency that then turns into a hospital or clinical position? Pharmacists are being used in a multitude of ways, um, especially as healthcare is an ever-growing and expanding market. And so just exploring all of the opportunities that are out there. That's something that I wish I had known. I mean, I definitely wouldn't trade my time in, in retail. I think that that helped shaped me in, in many important ways. But just knowing that your only options aren't, you know, working for a, a retail pharmacy and or being in the hospital. Um, so that's something that I would say. And then I think the other thing is that it's okay if it takes you some time through maybe some trial and error, trying on some different types of positions to know really where you fit as a pharmacist. I think everybody has their own unique perspective on what they view patient care to be. And so um, just because you're not in a role that you feel like is traditionally defined as, as what a pharmacist does, doesn't mean you can't have a meaningful impact. And so um, it's okay if you start out in retail and then um, decide that you want to get involved in policy and then end up getting involved in policy on the state level or, you know, it's, and it's also okay if you love retail or love the hospital setting and that's what you stay in for 30 or 40 years of your career. Um, but I think just understanding that the freedom to, you know, the nice thing that pharmacy, a pharmacy degree affords us is you can always get paid well to do exactly what you went to school for. There's some freedom in understanding that you have an excellent degree that sets you up for success and easily sets you up for success. I mean, you can find a pharmacy, pharmacy job pretty much in any city in the country, including rural areas, um, and that's pretty novel. 
and really a luxury that's only afforded to maybe some other healthcare professionals. And I think sometimes you only learn that by stepping into a particular role or position or job and you learn the things that you enjoy doing about that job and can find more of that in your next next job or and you also learn about the things that maybe aren't uh, a best fit for you and find less of those in your next job. So that's definitely the advice that I would would tell my younger self and other pharmacists out there that are getting started in in their career path. And I think that's so great for people to hear because there are a lot of non-traditional pharmacy roles and, you know, just putting themselves out there, following their passion and we've, we've got great degrees. So, uh, a lot of opportunities out there across the gamut, uh, of, of healthcare. So thank you so much for sharing some of, you know, your story and, and get letting, uh, our listeners get a little bit of an inside look at, at what it might be like to even work on Capitol Hill as a pharmacist. And, and with TenCare, uh, with the Tennessee Medicaid Division, really some unique positions that you've been able to absolutely um, happy join, to join and, and, and pursue. Uh, thanks and so thanks for sharing that perspective and your story with our listeners on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned next week for the episode with CEO of T1 Telehealth, Todd Barrett.